RTT number 48. Number 48. Yeah. Four dozen. I don't know if I'm shouting or not because I have headphones on with the new microphone gig because we're we're all in home. First class. First yes, class. Sir. Nothing but the best. Yeah, we are now remotely in three different locations. Uh, you can see if you're watching this, uh, you can see me in uh, my study area. You can see Chad. I'm in the basement. One of the kids in the basement, basement bedroom. bedroom yeah. And for Jacob, again, who may or may not exist, you see <laughs> a map of St. Charles County. <laughs> but it's funny they put a map up there. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we are uh, we're rocking and rolling. We're finishing up uh, this. Is this the last Amen uh, series? Are we there yet, or no? One more. Uh, no, this is no. This is it, this, right? Because this is Easter. it, right? Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. This, this whole time, I've sort of lost track of time. Like everything seems fast and eternal all at the same time. Like every, yeah. you know. I'm saying, yeah. uh, but we're number 48. We're persisting, uh, in our rogue table talks, uh, even as we're persisting in prayer. That's what we're talking about this time is persisting in prayer. And let me, let me start with a verse. Uh, it starts a parable that Jesus it's, it's Luke 18 one. And, and it says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Uh, I like that little explanatory uh, sentence before the parable. Um, and so apparently that's a thing like other people do that. It's not just me. Other people <laughs> give up on prayer, give up on prayer, fail to persist in prayer. And yeah. he tells this parable. Uh, so apparently it's a thing. So why, what, what are, why is that? What's the challenges in why do we, why do we give up? Why do we pray for something? for a while or once or twice and give up. What are some, let's, let's toss that around to start out with. Yeah. Um, well, if, if you're like me, somewhat normal average human being, I think, uh, I tend to pray when there's a sense of pressure or desperation or need. Um, when I'm really in tune with that, when, you know, life's not working out or I'm in a challenging relational season or, you know, my own emotional spiritual struggle that often pushes me to prayer. But when things are comfortable or things feel pretty good, um, to me, it's easy to give up on just prayer in general in those places. Mm -hmm. So that would be a reason mm -hmm. for me. I think that's, I think it's indicative of many people that struggle to persist in prayer. Um, you see that in the history of Israel of, hey, when you come to the land and you get strong and secure and there's no enemies to attack you or terrorize you anymore, don't forget God. Mm -hmm. Right. And then invariably they did. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. Part of it is, uh, I guess, um, independent self-satisfaction, um, a sense of uh, independence, maybe that we don't have to be dependent in prayer because everything's pretty good now and I've got it and, uh, I'll jump back in later, you know, when, when I need be. Um, and so that's in the sense it reveals something about how we think about prayer. That's, uh, basically asking God to meet a need when I'm aware that I have a need, uh, I'm going to pray and ask him 
hey god meet this need it might be a need for somebody else doesn't doesn't need to be necessarily my need uh but there's this sense again of a transactional sort of i need this so i'm going to ask god for it yeah uh and that's of course not it's not bad like when you when you're aware of a need and you pray for it that's not a bad thing uh but when we don't pray when we're aware of uh when we're not aware of a need, it sort of reveals that that's sort of why we're praying instead of there might be something more to prayer than, uh, than just that. Um, right. Yeah, and I think, it, I think that's true. I think it's probably safe to say when Jesus is talking to the disciples, uh, they're not considered too spiritually mature. And so I wonder if it's a sign or a mark of maturity that there's perseverance sure. in prayer yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. I was thinking of an analogy just a second ago of, you know, when I, I blew my knee out as a senior in high school playing soccer and I had to go through reconstructive surgery and rehabilitation. Well, right when you start to go through rehab, you're frequently going to uh, right. the training and right. the PT and all that stuff. You're frequently doing all the stretches and exercises, but the stronger you start to get, the more you start to build your muscles back, yeah. the less you go. Yeah. And so right. I just think a counter to that where the true spiritual life is that we're always in rehabilitation. Like it's an always the yeah. of we're still being, right. um, you know, nursed back to normal. We're not as strong as we think we are. Yeah. I think I've had that same experience where, yeah, when you're acutely aware that I can't walk normally without rehab, then you're motivated to go to rehab. Um, so yeah, there's a sense of, yeah. So that again is this independence rather than dependence. So something about prayer and persisting in prayer is persisting in some sort of stance and attitude of, of dependence, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, and you think of, again, you mentioned Israel, same idea when they kind of like, we'll take it from here, God. And that's when yeah. things went off the rail. Um, so I guess maybe to put it positively, then factors of persistent prayer is, uh, if I'm living a life of faith, if I'm, you know, displaying the, uh, the, the, the fruit of, uh, the, the spirit that is faith, then I'm probably going to be a more persistent prayer than if I'm not, uh, because I mean, independence is sort of runs sort of runs counter to faith uh in, in a dependent attitude sort of runs hand in hand with faith what do you think of that proposition? yeah, yeah I, I like that a lot um to me it one of the things that jesus is trying to constantly get the disciples to do and therefore us is to align ourselves with ultimate reality mm -hmm. and jesus presents us with ultimate reality and really because of the fall, we don't want anything to do with ultimate reality, which is I am a dependent creature. I'm limited. I'm finite and I can't do anything to rescue myself or rehab myself. And so I need to be shaped into dependent into dependency. And I, I think what you're saying is true. Is true. Well, that's interesting. I mean, so prayer and faith go together but prayer and a connection to reality, like faith in this, uh, this reality, which is the story that we're really in. That's what faith, I guess, is. It's, a, it's really a perception of this is really real. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think prayer is not really real. Like we do the real stuff and we pray, 
when I think when we're in heaven, we'll look back and, and realize that prayer was the connection to reality that informed and empowered all the other real stuff that I did. And when I lacked prayer, I just did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Right. I just did a lot of stuff and maybe doing a lot of stuff feels like I'm doing something about the situation and I'm, you know, I'm in there and I'm doing my best Yeah, and, and it's all sort of futile. And I think, I mean, you saying it, it makes me think we're going to be in heaven, look back and go, I really should have prayed more. That was kind of dumb. Well, we'll probably look back and think, I thought I was in touch, but maybe I was just out of touch with reality. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think there's, again, that sense of faith because unreality is actually, you know, this notion that prayer is wishful thinking or, you know, a childlike thing to do and real people get out and make stuff happen as sort of our cultural you know, me, Lou, that we live in, I suppose. Uh, and it's really, that's not true. Uh, and I think that's another part of faith in prayer and persisting in prayer is, can I be content in praying and persisting in prayer and not necessarily controlling the outcome? Yeah. Right? I'm praying, praying for something. Control. Yeah. I'm praying for something I don't control. And I think as I get older, I realize I, I do. I realize you, I've always controlled less than I thought I did. But your yeah. kids, your kids grow up, your kids get to be adults, and you don't control at all. And yet you're praying for things for them, and you're just—I uh, mean, you have you have very little. You have some influence, but no control. And again, there's this sense of no. Actually, dependence is reality. It, you know. It, Faith is not opposed to reality. Faith is living in that reality. And I do live in a dependent reality. And I am dependent on the Lord. And persistent prayer sort of lines up with that. And yeah. Right? I like that. I think that's true. I, I think it was Oswald Chambers that says, you know, prayer does not lead to the higher work. Prayer is the higher work. Mm-hmm. And I, it's a bit of an overstatement because we do pray for God to work and we pray for things to happen. But I do think there's a helpful balance there of, but prayer in and of itself is the work. Like that's the work that shapes me into the person I need to be. Right. I think that's right. And I think that's the work that God is most concerned with, the real work that he's shaping me in persistent prayer, faithful, dependent prayer, a life that's characterized by that is something that he's concerned with because he can actually influence the outcome. so faith, faith in the story we're in, faith in that reality, faith in not controlling the outcome. And I also think too, do I have faith that God is gracious, that, you know, I am his child, that I'm a child of grace, that, um, that nothing, like I'm not disqualifying myself in any way yeah. or, you know, I'm not, not good enough to pray this, or if I was a better Christian, I wouldn't, I'd only have to pray three days for this instead of three years or whatever. I mean, nobody ever actually verbalizes that, but you know, all that, that sense of, I have to believe that God is gracious and I'm a child of grace and I'm his child and I'm adopted and I have access to the throne of grace. And, you know, as the new Testament tells us all these things in order for me to really pray in faith. And when I don't, am am I really revealing? I'm not sure I'm living out that reality. Yeah. And and like you said, we probably wouldn't say it probably because it's more of a subtle 
nagging of the heart or a, a mm-hmm. mild feeling of distrust that oh, I probably didn't do enough or I, you know what, my performance record hasn't been that great lately. So I'm sure God's disappointed in me. Right. Or I'm sure he's frustrated that I didn't right. pray right. Or uh, look right. at me, I hadn't prayed for a week. God's probably like, well, good job. You haven't prayed for a week. All these things that we probably are more sensed, uh, but, but it does reveal um, maybe our need for more childlike faith mm-hmm. that, that our heavenly father mm-hmm. sees us in Christ delights in us uh, because we belong to Jesus and sees all of our flaws and faults and accepts us as we are. I think it was not to be the quote quote Meister today, but I think it was Brennan Manning who said faith is the courage to accept acceptance. And so to trust that on the grounds of Christ, I'm accepted before I showed up no matter what mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. could, yeah. could bolster your persistence in prayer. Right. 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 And then there's another, uh, something else we, we talked about, I think a little bit, uh, earlier in, uh, persistent prayer, sort of, uh, there's a hope, uh, there's a hope that's a part of that, that, you know, to live in hope and to live in persistent prayer kind of go hand in hand. And yet to live in hope sometimes is, is a risk or is a, you know, you don't, you don't want to hope for some of these things because you don't want to set yourself up for heartache or disappointment. And so it's to avoid the hoping for this ultimate thing. I just ignore it and don't pray more about that. Why is hope risky or I don't know, vulnerable or. I just think sometimes I think don't emotionally you can just resign yourself to, yeah, I mean, life's hard and that person will never change and I'll never change. And that's just the way things are. And, you know, we don't get everything we want. And that sort of, you know, sort of resigning yourself to a bad thing seems in some way safer. Maybe, uh, it may even seem, you know, more stoic or even more in a sense, uh, heroic that, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have to live in a Pollyanna world, you know, this, you know, things are bad and that's, you know, I can handle it, that kind of a thing. And instead of just living in hope for, no, I think things could be different and things will be different. And that's a, sometimes a painful reality to live with because sometimes they're not different for a long time. Uh, and the easiest thing to do is just to sort of say, well, sweet is yeah. right. Almost building up like a, uh, a callus, you know, on that corner of your heart. Like it's just probably too painful to hope because right. If I leave my heart open there and they don't change for a long time, or maybe God wants to do something else, change me. It's too, too painful. Right. Yeah. And it's just the easiest thing is just, uh, yeah, I prayed for that for a while, but you know, guess that's not God's will or guess whatever, you know, whatever we tell ourselves. Um, yeah. And so, and this is all, yeah, this is all discussion of verse one of that, of that parable. <laughs> uh, but I think that's, that's a, that covers a lot of the reason why we don't pray and why he told, he told more than one parable. We're going we'll to quickly talk about uh, both of them. He told more than one parable in the gospel of Luke about this topic of persistence in prayer. And that first one is the, t- the parable he told his disciples. So they would always pray and not give up. And in Luke 18, then verse two, he said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor care, cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my, against my adversary. 
For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this wiz- this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Moreover, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Uh, and so you can see there's a, there's a lot there. Uh, so Jesus is, is addressing, it seems this, this, okay. If you have this view that God is not really just, not really good. Um, yeah. And, you know, doesn't really care about a good outcome as much as I do. If that's, if that's a, a secret hidden fear of yours, that's kind of what the widow encountered with this judge keep praying. And even that God, would, even that God would answer the prayer. If you keep yeah. persisting, you know, persisting, uh, and, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night. Um, and so do you, th- I mean, I don't know that we, he's going to address a couple of fears. I think that we have perhaps, uh, uh, you know, a picture that we have of God that I don't think we articulate. I don't think anybody would say, yeah, I care more about what's right than God does. And I'm praying for what's right. And apparently he doesn't care. Right. But you're right. But yeah. I think he's saying, but Jesus is telling this parable and it's recorded in the scripture for a reason. Uh, so do we have that notion or are we communicating that to, to God by not praying or what do you think? Why does he, why does he think he uses this word picture as parable? Yeah, I don't know. I've always been drawn to this parable. I do think it really exposes some of our dynamic relational views of who God is Mm -hmm. um, and probably multi-layers of do we think, do we really think God doesn't care as much as we would care? Right. I mean, he, he pits him, you know, often in, in parables, you're meant to identify with the character and none of us are necessarily meant to identify with the unjust judged because he compares that to the, the opposite mm-hmm. of who the father is mm-hmm. um, saying that even this guy who has no concern for God has no concern for truth or justice. Even he will answer because of the persistence. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of those when Jesus says, how much more so like you guys know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, right. so? how much right. more so? Um, so Yeah the exposing maybe why we give up on prayers are one of our views of God that when you don't get a prayer answered or you don't really see any result, um, or it's hard to measure the result. I think it's tempting to conclude. Therefore God doesn't care. Right. Yeah. Therefore God doesn't care. Um, instead of he wants me to keep praying and maybe he just wants me to keep praying. Uh, maybe that's the thing he wants. Uh, I do think that, you know, that, that God doesn't care also though, that the wit, I mean, the widow would have been the most powerless person in, in the, in that culture, like that. So God doesn't care. And I don't matter. Like I've got no juice. I've yeah. got no standing, you know, he could ignore me easy. I don't matter. Like he doesn't care about the situation and I don't matter that much. Uh, and Jesus is saying um, that God does care and that, you know, he does his chosen ones. That's us, uh, you know, are chosen and we do matter. It's, I think that that 
that verbiage is is uh, intentionally used. That we are God's chosen ones. We do matter. We're not someone who society doesn't have to listen to in this you know in this parable. That we are we're important and God does care. And again, we're back to: Do I really is faith? Do I really believe that? Do I really believe that this is the story I'm in? This is who God is. This is who He tells me I am. And so I can boldly come before him and pray. Yeah. And he kind of leaves it with a challenge uh, as Jesus is often indifferent to what people think about him says, you know, how much more so will God do what's right for his people? But then when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Like the faith of the widow isn't expressed as faith. It's expressed as perseverance and the relentlessness in prayer. And so, Mm -hmm you know, it's right. kind of the James, James passage of faith without works is dead. Or mm-hmm. We can say we have faith all day, but if, you know, maybe we struggle with faith when we don't persist in prayer. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. That Jesus is equating faith with persistence in prayer and giving up in prayer with lack of faith. And that's probably one of the reasons why God wants us to pray all the time, no matter what, to pray and keep, not give up, not so that we can get the outcome. You know, it's not even about the outcome. It's about, am I living a life of faith? Uh, so again, in order to keep praying, I have to believe God is just, God is good, God is loving, God is caring, and that I matter to him. And I think sometimes we can, we can doubt that. And I think to that uh, same point, there's another uh, parable in the, in the, in the gospel of Luke, Luke 11, where, uh, Jesus said to them, suppose you had a friend starting in verse five and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you any, every, anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So you see, there's a similar sense here of um, that shameless audacity is <laughs> applauded. Good, what what right? translation is that? I like it. I think that's the ESV. Okay. I yeah. like it. Yeah. I think that it, it's so shameless audacity is what Jesus is commending mm-hmm. to us here. Like this is, this is when you pray, don't be without shameless audacity because (laughs) to go get this guy up when his family, they're sleeping and everybody's on the floor and there's no light, you know, we've been, uh, you know, we've been in the third world where you get up in the middle of the night and there's just, it's dark, (laughs) it's just dark. I mean, there's no night light, there's no street light, there's no light. Uh, and so that's a situation and it is, it shows some shameless audacity that no, but I need bread. I really have this need. I really have to have it now. And, uh, and to, you know, that's the kind of amplifies the point of what faith do I need in my standing before God, my, you know, membership in his family, my, my identity as his child, like this guy's got to think, this guy's got to be a good friend because I'm waking up in the middle of the night and I'm, you know, right. Like I'm, I'm, this, I wouldn't do this for anyone else. I, you know, this is my friend. And so there's this shameless audacity and I don't think. I don't think I pray with shameless audacity very much. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to riff on the ESV's translation and just say, you know, you could think about it as reckless deservability. Mm -hmm. 
is mm-hmm. this, you know, it, mm-hmm. when you don't feel like you're deservable before God, you don't right. bother him. You don't right. keep knocking on the door. You don't say, no, I think you should wake up and give me some bread. Right. But right. this is shameless audacity. This is, right. no, I'm a child and the father wants me to be here. He wants me to pray. He wants me. So um, there is a level, like without getting into entitlement, but there is deservability. Like my kid, I don't, my kids don't bother me when they say, I'm hungry. Can I get some food? Right. That's, and that's a normal question. It makes me happy to say, yeah, let's get this or do that. Right. And so again, and it's this, this sense, it's not just permission giving. He's not just giving us permission. Hey, if you really have to. Yeah. <laughs> be shamelessly audacious. Yeah. yeah. It's, this is like, this is what it's actually like shameless audacity is the point here. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not the bread. The bread's not the point. The point is, can I shamelessly ask? And, uh, you know, Jesus asks the father in the garden and here we are, uh, you know, coming to Easter, Jesus asked, you know, if it, you know, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Now he's, he probably knows it's not, I mean, he probably knows, but he's saying he's being shamelessly audacious. He's, this is, this is the real thing here. And, you know, you know, will I get to that point where I'm just, cause I, cause, cause I, I wonder, am I even shamelessly audacious with myself? Will I really admit to myself, Hey, I gotta have this bread. I mean, I really, really need it. Do I even want to admit that I have a need that great that I have to, to do that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, it's cause I don't think, I don't think shameless audacity is something that I would on my own value. It's, it's interesting in both of these stories, there's probably something deeper here, but, um, the, the one who has something to offer, uh, won't get up and do it because of the relationship. They'll, they mm-hmm. do it because the person has, um, wore them out. So to right. Speak. The persistence, right. You've worn me down. Right. You know, I, I said, no, I said, I, I wasn't going to give you what you wanted, but you kept asking so much that I'm, that I'm going to do it. And it's not really a formulaic thing for us, but yet there's something there that it's the perseverance. It's the test of the perseverance of right. one more time, right. one more day. And so we're back to persistence and perseverance is the point. Yeah. That's that, the point. That's the point. It's not about what you're, it's not even about what you're praying for. It's, am I persistent in praying? Well, the shamelessness seems to me like, it's because he gets the answer of, no, I'm not going to get out of bed and wake up my family and get you bread. And he doesn't go away. He doesn't right. take that as the answer. Right. Yeah. He's I'm still no, praying. Not, not what I'm going to hear. I'm going to keep going for it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting because it's, it's, it's this, um, all of the reasons, you know, like for instance, well, what if it's not really God's will? Should I be praying for it? Mm-hmm. Where I don't think... As long as, I mean, Jesus prays for something that doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. That made this, you know, I want this cup to pass for me. And I don't think I have to worry about, I don't have to edit myself uh, to like, you know, God can worry about whether that's his will or not, right? I think that's a great point. Um, shameless audacity, deservability. It's, it's unedited prayers. Mm-hmm. Like right. it's praying and you're asking with the bleeding heart of a child and they're unedited. I think that's true. You know, it's interesting. I, there, there is a prayer. I don't think that 
I think Jesus prayed it, and I don't think it got answered. Um, it's when Jesus says to Peter, uh, I have prayed for you. Satan has asked me to sift you, but I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And I would argue that Satan probably sifted Peter on the denial section. Um, and there's a, there's a mystery. There's a mystery there. <laughs> there's a mystery there. Peter's oh. faith did fail. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe I'm theologically off point, but I, it seems that that Peter, his faith struggled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we could say that. Um, right, and I think <clears throat> a lot of that is is uh, is super interesting, and it kind of that speaks to this whole spiritual realm that's happening that we don't always see and might speak to why prayers are answered a certain way or why we have to wait or so on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's right. I think that, you know, pray anyway, uh, shameless unedited, audacity, yeah. unedited. And that's where, and then the right, follows right after that. Look, that's Luke, the shameless audacity is Luke 11, eight and the uh, eleven nine is. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for who, anyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds and, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. And then there's that passage that you talked about before, which if you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake or ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, and I think so. I say to you, ask. Uh, and, you know, that's an interesting passage uh, because, of course, it's not he's not a genie that we you know, we have three wishes and they get, you get to be granted. Uh, so what it is that will be given isn't maybe necessarily, uh, spelled out. Uh, is that the context of giving the Holy spirit? I don't. Yes. Uh, that's, and how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy spirit to those who ask him Yeah. in, in Luke 11, 13. So yeah. So, you know, what we're getting may not be, exactly what we think we need, but it's going to be better, at least in the long run. Um, you know, that if we ask for a fish, he won't give us a snake, but if we ask for a snake, he's probably not going to give us a snake either. <laughs> That's a good point, right? It's a little <laughs> twist there. I like it. <laughs> it's going to give us fish. Uh, cause we don't, we think a snake is good, uh, maybe, or a scorpion. Hey, like can I have a scorpion? He's going to give us an egg. So yeah, I do think that this, but the point is, I mean, there's the command is ask. That's the command. Yeah. And uh, I think asking over and over again probably needs to be commanded because it doesn't seem like we're super great at it. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I will remember to pray for something that I haven't prayed for in a long time. And I don't, I don't know how this how it works for you. I don't like decide. Well, I'm not praying for that anymore. I've given up. I just no, notice I I've stopped. Conscious decision, right? Like, okay, right. fine. I'm I'm done with that thing. Add that to the list of things I've given up on <laughs> that I will not pray for. <laughs> Putting your name on that. <laughs> you've you've left me hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> but then I'll realize. You know, a year later, I haven't prayed for them in a long time. Yeah, and there's this sense of what, what you know, what's going on there, and uh, part of it might be just persistence. Part of that is just persistence in general isn't super, isn't a super strong point for a lot of us in anything spiritual. 
you know, whether it's Bible reading or whatever it is, or praying in general, or praying for a person, I don't, I don't know that we expect to have to keep persisting. Like, right. Yeah. Like I want to, you know, I want to do this thing and then have this thing be done and move on to the next thing. Uh, and this is one of those things that you do. This is just one of those things that we live. Right. And, uh, I think that's part of the point. And I just think I, you know, I kind of this maybe spiritual maturity is training ourselves in spiritual persistence, which involves persistence in prayer. Uh, so yeah, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's, that's a good point. I, I, I was just thinking through, like, there's probably things and people I've prayed for that are really like long game prayers, like for people's salvation mm-hmm. or my transformation for other people close to me, their transformation. And then there's probably like mid game prayers of like, so-and-so is going through a health crisis and it's going to be a few years of a battle. Like, okay, we we'll pray for them. Sometimes there's seasonal, you know, prayers like, I pray for this during this situation and then it's done. And then they're short term, you know, really quick, you know, maybe you're giving a talk or a presentation or something and you're praying for that moment. Lord, help me. Lord, please. I don't know what to say, but I I do think for me, back to your point, like it is often the long-term things that I I'm reminded of. Oh, I, I don't know if I've really engaged in that lately. Um, I tend to forget, even with the, some of the middle middle uh, time frame things, I can pray for a while, for a few weeks, and then unless I'm reminded, the person says, hey, my mom went to get a checkup and it's still not good or whatever. Oh, okay, well, I need to engage in prayer again. Um, so that just makes, a, yeah, so forget. that makes me think uh, partly, so the long game, the short game thing, I mean, that's helpful, I think, because part of it is maybe we just don't think long game very much. Like we get so engrossed in the now, you know, as we talk about on staff, there's the whirlwind. Yeah. And if you, you can live in the whirlwind forever and never get anything bigger done because you're just always, the whirlwind never stops. Uh, and is that, and spiritually, do I just live in the whirlwind a lot? And I'm not, I'm not living in this bigger story and I'm praying for these bigger things. Cause I'm just so, I mean, I, I kind of feel like that this week. You know, yeah. this last couple of weeks, uh, just, we're just in the whirlwind trying to figure everything out. And, you know, everything the church does is different and how we do everything is different. You know? I still haven't been able to relate to people and their boredom yet. I'm not, no, no. <laughs> I'm just like, I have plenty of time. I'm like, no, where I'm, no. I have less time right no. now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think for us that in the sense that everything the church is doing is, is different and how we do everything, how we meet, how we communicate, everything's different. And well, it's here, just, like this. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and I think that, that this and the virus news of the virus, it's like, it, it could be all you, it's easily all you think about, right? It's just, it's just right here. Yeah. So anyway, I interrupted well, there's, you. there's something that's a long-term midterm prayer of like, we pray for wisdom and creativity and innovation for scientists. And right. Yeah. We also pray for protection for healthcare workers and right. people yeah. who are on the front lines. And, but we also pray for, because of this, people would find God, people mm-hmm. would turn to God, people right. would turn lives around. And yes. Um, so those are kind of, I, I think too, hypothetically, you think of, okay, I'm praying for my family member, neighbor to come to Easter service and they attend Easter service and you're praying for them to just, you know, be saved or how, whatever terminology you like to use. And then it doesn't happen. 
you know, they, they come, but they think, Oh, that was nice. You know, maybe I'll go back Christmas or next year, Mm -hmm. but who knows, you know, Jesus tells the parable of people come in the 11th hour and they get paid the same wages. So grace is non-discriminate for when people receive it. And so who knows how many prayers and how many times you're praying for that person they may receive Christ 20 years from now or 40 years from now. So that back to your point of like the long game is as long as they're still breathing. Yeah. We can, we can continue to hold up prayer of, yeah. you know, God right. can still move. Right. Or even me. I mean, things about me that perhaps I've given up on changing. I can keep praying for, right. I'm just going to be impatient. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm just, this is the way I am, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, and it, so this sense of living in the large, we're kind of back to the beginning of living in the larger story, the sense of faith, the sense of I can entrust this to God uh, and it's not futile and it's not depressing uh, because there's no outcome necessarily that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to manufacture in the short term. Uh, and can I, you know, I believe God cares. I believe God cares for me, cares for that person more than I do. Uh, you know, he's not the unjust judge. He's not the friend who doesn't want to get up. Um, and I just think, I think living in that place of, I guess, vulnerability is the word I'm looking for, where we're sort of vulnerable to being disappointed or vulnerable to being not in control. Um, that's sort of where he wants us. You know, it's back to your Israel example of when you lose that sense of vulnerability and you begin to live as independent, I'm, I'm in charge, I've got it covered sort of person. Yeah. That's when we begin to get ourselves into trouble. Right. And I think for me, quite practically, it comes down to when I wake up in the morning, am I going to try to fight? It's a fight for me yeah. um, to remind myself and get into a headspace and a heart space of the real reality today is I'm a dependent person. I might yep. feel strong, but I don't, I'm right. not going to let that dictate where I am. Right. Yes, that's right. The real reality today is I'm a dependent person. And the other real reality today is, you know, I'm a child of God mm-hmm. and have access to the throne. Oh, did we lose him? Okay. Well, I think he was going to say, real reality of also being a child of God that we're deeply loved and deeply delighted in. And so may we access both of those um, realities and the truths about God and the truths about us and persevering in prayer. And have a great week. Grace and peace to you. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. 